0: Hi everybody and welcome to this week's Sober Stories from Everyday People. Today I have the pleasure of introducing Steph and she's from Teesside. Um, She has been sober for four months and I'm really, really looking forward to uh, getting to know you Steph a bit more and understanding a bit more about your journey, so thank you for joining me. You're welcome. Fabulous. Okay, so uh, let's get started. Would you mind introducing yourself, please, so that we can get to know you a little bit?
1: Right, I'm Steph. Um, and as Terry said, I'm from Teesside, which is in the northeast of the UK. Um, I'm in my 50s, I'm married, um, celebrate my Ruby wedding anniversary this month. Oh,
0: congratulations.
1: Um, thank you. I've got uh, one daughter. And I've got one granddaughter um, who's eleven. I don't work. I would say I'm a lady of leisure, but there's no such thing as a lady of leisure. (laughs) (laughs) Really? I mean, we 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 undermine ourselves with that word. Um, My husband took early retirement three years ago, so obviously we're enjoying being able to just have our time together, really, and you know, go out and about. As, well, we were kind of limited with the restrictions. I should mm-hmm. say we're enjoying being able to get out and about again now. Um, I, I have had jobs throughout the years. Um, a lot of them were voluntary jobs. And um, I've been to university. Um, I did. I went as a mature student. I didn't go till I was in my 40s. Um, and I did a degree in anthropology, human science at Durham University and then a few years back i went and did a masters in uh, criminology so i've sort of like kept my brain active even though i haven't sort of like worked as such um, i love learning i love astrology um i love my crystals i'm a crystal loving person um i like everything woo i mean I I I mean I, I would say yes I, I do witchy things um, I like to follow the Sabbats and do rituals and things like that so yeah that's basically me <laughs> oh, and I like reading as well.
0: <laughs> wow I I don't I didn't even know what did you say S- and I've Sabbats
1: I- so it's I mean like in the um, in the witchy world there's like eight Sabbats a year so there's things like obviously we've just had. We've just had Lither, which was the longest day, midsummer as it is. It tends to follow all the others and then we'll have Lamas at the beginning of, of August. And then we've got Samhain, which is Halloween. And wow. then we have then we have the Yule. And wow. you know, they just follow them and then obviously you can do rituals on full moons and new moons and you know things like that. There's different spells to do for different type of moons, etc. So it's pretty cool really.
0: Yeah, it's like a completely different world. Yeah, I've I've never, that's, yeah, amazing. That's that's really fascinating, really interesting. Um, So how did alcohol play a role in your life? What what was your relationship with alcohol like?
1: I would say that really I've had a relationship probably with alcohol longer than I've been married, to be fair. Um, Probably from me about 16, Um. You know, it's sort of like that, even though you shouldn't be, you're going into the pubs and it's a novelty. And at that time, you just say maybe having, you know, the, the lagers and things like that. And you think, oh, this is great, you know, and in a social environment and you're really enjoying it. But then it still continues throughout the years. And it, did, it became not really a going out habit. It became uh, staying in. So even though, like, even in the later years as well, We haven't been going out to drink. It's been like drinking at home, Mm -hmm. which is good and bad. It's probably, you know, if I had to make the effort probably at the time to have gone out, I probably would have thought, sack that, I can't be bothered. But when it's at home, it just becomes that ritual of doing it, set times. And it's sort of like increased. It would go from maybe years ago where it was only maybe three times a week. And that was about it. And then it got a little bit more, and you'd find an excuse for an extra day, like, "Oh, I've had a good day today. I'm feeling in a good mood. I think I'll think I'll have some today." And then it's like I've had a bad day, so I think I'll I think I'll have some for that. So any excuse, really, I think I'll do a meal. Meals equate to having alcohol, so I'll cook a meal. Any excuse, just really to to have this, and it's just. It just become more and more and more, and I think really more during COVID. Because, Mm -hmm. you know, you were trapped in the house, you couldn't go anywhere, you couldn't do anything. And I think that was the problem that you could, you know, it it became more, you wanted to cheer yourself up more, even though technically you weren't. You felt like you were. And I would say that that was when I could recognise that the problems were coming. Because I was more obsessed when we first were going into the first lockdown about whether I had enough alcohol in the house in case we couldn't leave the house, Mm. rather than whether I had enough food, which is kind of stupid. But, I mean, I went out and I stockpiled up and I had one of my bedrooms with all these bottles of wine all there, ready for at least two or three weeks so that I knew I had it. But, obviously, you know, and then I think more the, the catalyst was more, obviously, this year, the reason why I did give up was... Um, And I'd never really thought of it before about why I was always ill.
0: Mm.
1: Deep down, I probably knew, but I always put it down to everything else. So I'd be like, oh, I've got another IBS flare up. Oh, I've, I've got this, I've got that. And my husband would say to me, I mean, even though don't forget, I mean, he was drinking the same as me and he's obviously stopped drinking as well now. So we're both doing it together. Ah, Okay. Um, But he would say, what have you not stopped doing? And I'm saying, well, I'm not eating this food and and I've tried this. He's going, but what is it you're not doing? And I refuse to listen. You know, I'm a stubborn person. And the more I'm pushed and I'm like, no, it's not that. I feel fine later in the day or I was all right on that day when I had it. Therefore, my mind's equating with it's not a problem.
0: Mm. It isn't
1: that that's causing it. And it was just getting every day. I was with IBS every day and the anxiety was terrible. And I was getting to the point where it was getting later and later in the day before we'd go out, and I'd be going through a routine. He'd be stood waiting for me in the hallway, waiting to go out, and I'm still procrastinating with, uh, "I've just got to go and do this." Um, I'll just nip to the loo again, or uh, I'll just do this, and it was getting absolutely torture. I could see it was driving him crazy. Mm. And then the catalyst really was, I got a really really bad IBS flare, and I also got cystitis at the same time, so I was putting up with two things, feeling absolutely grotty. And even I'd, in my mind, I'd been thinking, I need to stop, I need to stop. But then I'd kept putting off and thinking, next week. yeah, you know, I'll do it next week, I'll do it tomorrow. Just I'll just just get the weekend out of the way. And then Monday, fresh start, and of course, never came. And I decided I was, just felt so poorly, I didn't even want it. And I thought, you know, I think I really need to stop this. Plus, I wanted to lose some weight as well. And I knew the alcohol was actually compounding to weight gain as well as medication I was on. So I thought, I really need to try this and see what happens. I mean, I, I have tried before, when I've sort of like been in skimming groups. But that was more... I knew that I didn't have to stop. Like, you know, it was when I get to my weight, I'll be able to put it back in again. I'll be able to start drinking again. Yeah. So I didn't really see it as a long-term thing and equally you still would sneak it in sometimes because you think oh what for one day I won't gain any weight this week no one will ever know so you still kind of start self-sabotaging and cheating yourself in mm. that way mm. um, but as I say, this time it was just some something something in my mindset that just said enough's enough I'm fed up of feeling like this and I just thought as I'll just see what happens and then I think what sort of like pushed me along a little bit more was the fact that I wanted to see whether I had a kidney infection, obviously with avancistitis, et cetera. So they did blood tests and I found that my liver function wasn't right. Mm. So of course that kind of like scared me. It was like, we need to repeat in a month's time. So I went for the repeat and they said the levels have lowered, but they're still not right. So I've got to go back at the end of August. So my mind's going, oh, <laughs> Have I really, really, really done damage now that's irreparable? Mm. You know, because the advice was what they'd said, stop drinking alcohol, said, already done it. Lose some weight, went, already done that. Yeah. Um, change your diet. And I was like, I have a healthy diet, I eat plenty of salads and fresh meat and things like that. Yeah. So I'm doing everything I can, but what then bloods will be when I go back? Get yeah. them repeated. I don't know. So it's kind of that's kind of a worry because if there is a problem, I know it's totally self inflicted.
0: Yeah. And that's next month, is it? It's so the,
1: the end of August. That'll be the three yeah. months since I had the repeat bloods. And it's kind of like it's preying on my mind a lot because I have got a bit of a lump in my stomach as well. Okay. That I'm waiting to go for a scan for And I'm sort of like thinking, you know, they said it's not it's nothing to worry about. It's probably just a fatty tissue, but and not anything wrong. But my mind's going, is it something to do with my liver? Yeah. So mm-hmm. I'm kind of like, I mean, it's totally deserved if it is, because like I've just whacked it back over the years and never thought of the consequences. I've had blood tests and they have been fine with liver function before. So you know, you think yourself keep on doing this. Mm-hmm. Fine, my liver's fine. I'm not messing it up. But obviously yeah. you don't know. No, your time will tell.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, it's it's so sad that as well, isn't it? I'm, I'm, you know, I I feel frustrated about the lack of clear information out there, really, about drinking alcohol. You know, and uh, and we talk about this obviously a lot on social media, and and I have been on this podcast, but just how much. Society has glamorised alcohol and apart from, you know, the odd little bit of writing, please drink aware, which is really a load of rubbish because, you know, at the end of the day, big alcohol has a responsibility to inform its buyers of what's really in that substance or, you know, or that bottle of wine. It's not, it shouldn't be... Our responsibility to make sure that we can scrabble around and find information, which is extremely hard to find, actually. It's only when you, you know, for me, I've been sobered over three years now, but I've learned stuff in this last year. So the last sort of 12 months that I didn't learn in my first two years about. The alcohol, how, how alcohol affects the brain, and all the brain science, and I've only just started to unravel a lot of that. And that, mm-hmm. and I would say, I study um, the effects of alcohol like I'm doing a degree a lot of the time. I mean, I'm always trying to find information uh, and learn more. But not everybody is like that, and you're certainly not like that when you're still drinking. You're just going along. The ride, aren't you? You just, you just, exactly. you just do what everyone's doing. So I, I do find it really frustrating that there isn't that information out there. And now, you know, you're in a position where you're obviously anxious about these um results thank goodness you have stopped though Steph that's that's amazing and you're probably doing a lot more good actually you know just just trying I know it's easy to say say positive but um yes. you know you you, you you know you are you are making such big improvements in your health and actually the body is amazing at repairing things so um you know fingers crossed for that but, you know, it's just, it's just sad, that I think, that, that we have to get to the point where things start to feel like they might be going wrong with our health before we really start to address that, well, oh, actually, maybe the connection here is that alcohol is the problem.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, as you say, it is glamorized. I mean, every TV programme you put on, there's always, the spend lunchtime, evenings in the bar with the drink. You know, you never see someone, particularly in the coffee shop, having a cup of coffee. Yeah. It's always associated with like everything in life has to be with alcohol, otherwise, it's just not living. And that's why you think, oh, you know, everyone else does it. And and they're, I mean, they're invincible, aren't they? Let's be honest on the TV, everyone's invincible. Yeah. And you think, oh, you know, they're they're fine. Yeah. Uh, I can do that. And as I say, I mean, I was a drinker every day of the week. Mm. It wasn't just, it was every day for the last probably five years, six years. Yeah. So it was like an everyday. I never got to the point of being totally like bottled out. You know, I always had like, I'm a creature of habit and it was more habitual. I start mm. at this time, but then you don't finish till that time. And I was always like a clock watcher. So I'd be like, I've got to make this glass of wine last till then. Mm. So that I'll start the next one. Yeah. And then I'll have the next one. Then I can go to the spirits then because it's mm. that time and that will keep us going till like one o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And that's crazy that you're sort of like you're not drinking because you're enjoying it. Technically, no. now you look back, you're yeah. doing it by the clock because it's this time and that's when you have this and that's when you have that. And um, you know, you'd wake up next morning and I think, ugh,
0: yeah, groggy. Mm. You know,
1: sort of like thick head and. Grumpy. Uh, my moods were terrible. I just wanted to rip anyone's head off. On the morning, I just wanted to be left alone. I didn't want to speak to anyone. Mm. You know, I used to feel really sorry, really, for my husband because I mean, he had done absolutely nothing wrong. And she's like, "Oh, morning," and I'm like, "Don't mm. <laughs> so yeah. want to speak to you." You know, and it was like the anxiety, as I say, all the time and the IBS. And the thing I've noticed is the anxiety has so much gone. Without
0: alcohol. That's amazing. I'm not saying
1: that I don't get anxious sometimes because obviously life comes along, doesn't it? It gives you curveballs. So you still get these stresses come along where something's happening in life and you think, oh. So, you know, I still can get anxious over worrying, obviously, things maybe about my granddaughter or things like that. But it it was every day, it was a constant anxiety all day long. And I had IBS every day. And even that has settled down so, so much now that, you know, you might think, was it really IBS? Or was it just because you were having alcohol every day that was just irritating your gut? Yeah. You know, it's, the difference is tremendous. I wouldn't have believed it if I hadn't have done it, to be fair.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's, it's so funny um, when you talk about the, the liver tests and things. I, I went to, on a health resort thing in Thailand a few years ago, um, and I was just, A single mum for I think about six months I thought I just need to have a little break and and I remembered going on this health retreat and I was still drinking at the time Um, and I think I was aware that my drinking was getting a bit out of hand and I was worrying about it having those similar feelings that you know you were having leading up to stopping and I think I was looking for a reason in some ways to actually just make that decision and stop and there was this um sort of full body kind of MOT and blood testing in this Thai resort that you could get done and they could check and I was really really almost strangely hoping that they would come back and say there's something you know showing up or flagging in your blood results And um, I remember getting those results and um, I had to pay quite a bit of money for them in the end. But I remember getting them and they said, everything looks absolutely perfect. The only thing is that you've got is you've got elevated cortisol. Um, And they said to me at the time, that's a stress hormone. Um, But and I said, well, I was worried that my drinking was you know was being a bit excessive and I was yeah. worrying that there might be some sort of flag that would come out uh, from these results and they sort of said no no and this is a, a doctor over there said no nothing to indicate that there's anything wrong um and you know you you must have got away with it sort of thing and, yeah. and I just kind of thought well okay I'll just carry on then and I carried on drinking for another couple of years after that until I stopped and it's only now when i look back i realize that that cortisol is the stress hormone that we release in our in our brains to combat too much alcohol and to process the alcohol and it's just now that i understand that it's just so interesting that 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 nobody was able to make that link um, exactly. And I, I just, I wish I'd known back then what I know now, because I would have been really clear on like, well, actually that is a problem. You know, that mm-hmm. is showing up in my bloods. And, you know, I, I was still in my thirties then, you know, if I'd have carried on for another 10, 20 years, that could have got got worse. I don't know. But yeah, so I, ju- I just think that whole piece around education of, the alcohol going in and how it affects our body and yeah it just needs so much more focus and so much more of a light shining on it um it does yeah but anyway look you know you are where you are you've got these results you've changed your lifestyle you know think things are looking up i think so um yeah i really i really hope you get good news on those results So if we talk about how you got sober, what did you, once you made your decision, obviously you had these ailments and sort of health concerns. Yeah. What did you do to to go sober? What sorts of things did you do?
1: Well, obviously it was literally cold turkey. There wasn't any, I'm going to cut back. And because I knew that wouldn't work anyway. You know, one drink leads to two. I'm that type of person that I can't stop. Um. So really, it was a case. I've got, got to do this. I've got to got to stick with each day. And obviously, with my husband doing it at the same time, kind of helped because mm-hmm. you know I'm not a person that will give in if someone else is doing something. So you know, if he's he, he's he's much more resilient than me. He's much more. If he makes his mind to something, he can stick at it much more. He's always had much more willpower than me. And I'm that type of person with like, he's not going to win. He's not going to win. Yeah. <laughs> I can keep on I, if he's doing it I can keep doing it yeah and that's what it's like you up not smoking isn't it you know every day you sort of like think well you find other things to do you know for to fill that time I mean obviously it was harder for for myself because it was drinking at home on an evening mm. and we were always staying on an evening so life wasn't really changing so it was trying to find other things to do but not replacing it with food
0: yeah. You
1: know, there was no point, absolutely no point in stopping drinking and then starting eating copious amounts of chocolate or whatever else you may fancy. The whole point as well was, for me, I wanted to lose weight. Mm. I knew that I would feel better because I'd put the weight I'd lost in slimming growth back on over the pandemic and the medication had put weight on me and I wasn't happy. I knew I'm going away on holiday soon. And it was, right, I need to get this weight so I can start wearing clothes I've got again and I can start to feel more me. And as I started to see the weight go, that was obviously another, yes, I've seen some results here. It's not only, it's, it, it's worth it because I'm losing X amount of pounds. Um, and I started sort of like adding other things in. So I started adding exercise even though that I do struggle with joints and things, I started to exercise at home So I started doing like 30 minutes a day, um, dumbbells and other things like obviously touching your toes and different things like this, squats, etc. I started doing that and I made sure i get my steps as well every day. So that became a, a, a new obsession of like, I must get my steps in, must get my steps in. Started doing things like going for a walk on a Sunday afternoon, things I wouldn't do because it was always can't leave the house, might need the toilet. Yes. IBS, you know, can't leave the house. And I was going out on a Sunday, and honestly, the different change just by putting them into my life. Wow. It gave me that motivation to keep on going because I was like, hey, I'm out on a Sunday afternoon and I'm doing, and now I'm in a quarter walk here and I'm not bothered that there's absolutely no toilets whatsoever. And off I go. And I'm walking out the door and I'm not going, oh, I don't know whether I dare go. I don't know whether I dare leave the house. And it was them things that just kept pushing on. It, so it was. It was an easy decision in the end, but I kicked myself I didn't do it much sooner. But you know, yeah, <laughs> it is what it is, isn't it? You know, it you've got to, you know, one day. As long as it comes one day, yeah, it's I, better I than never at all.
0: Yes, so. I completely agree with that. Actually, um, and I, th- I think I don't think there's anybody actually that gets sober and goes through that transformational period. Um, that doesn't sit there and say, God, I wish I did this sooner. Like, yes. I think everyone says that, but you're absolutely right. You have got there though. And that is so important. And I think that's yes. something to, you know, to definitely feel proud of. And, and you know, yeah, I, I, I got sober at 41. Yeah, I wish it was 31, but I'm sober at 41. I, you know, I've still got so much life ahead of me and same for you. And I just think that at least we get there um because exactly. there are probably people that that don't get that opportunity or or maybe don't see that light or yeah and and so yes. and that's fine like no judgment i wanna you know when, when we talk about these things it's not like we're judging other people but um i do think that there must be you know a, a big percentage of people that might feel like they're drinking is hindering their life a little bit um and that don't perhaps address it you know yeah, exactly. and, and, and then you know maybe they carry that feeling around all through their their life or or maybe they give up when they're 80 you know and, and yeah or like,
1: maybe they think yeah. oh I've got to this age now yeah What's the point? That's the point. You know, I'm too old to stop type of thing yeah. I've done it all the time I might as well just continue yeah, but there's yeah. never such a thing. I mean, you know, there's never such a thing as you're too old to, to, to change something in life yeah. because she still can do it. And like you say, you've still got life to live. Yeah, And, you know, I want to be able to enjoy it. I want to see my granddaughter grow up. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to see what she does with her life. And yeah. if I kept on drinking and all reality, you know, I could be dead.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You
1: no, know, that's how I look at it now. And that, you know, it's not fair on my family
0: really to put them in that situation yeah yeah I, that that was a big motivator for me as well I was really terrified that if I didn't stop that you know I would just be drinking into my 50s and 60s and and mm-hmm. that I, I was really scared that I would get to a certain point in my life where I would have regrets exactly um, and I feel like like you say I, I think age is just a number you know I'm five years from my 50s and I am excited about it being in my you know 50s is the new 40s (laughs) that's what you know and I'm sure I'll say you know 60s is the new 50s or whatever but you know I just I, I do I do think that age is a is a mindset Um, but I didn't, I didn't want to get to fifties or sixties and and then have regrets that, well, why, you know? And so, yeah, I think, yeah, I I think it's, I think that's a really, really brilliant point that you've made there. And I don't know if you follow, um, sober dave he's amazing in the sober community and if you don't follow him he's worth a follow Um, and he gave up drinking in his 50s as well and he also has a podcast as well called one for the road which is excellent and um he uh talks a lot about that you know giving up in his 50s because you know i suppose he feels like he came at it a bit later in life Mm. um but he also coaches people and that's what he does for a living and right. he, will, he will say all the time that you know that it, it you know giving up in your 50s is yeah okay it might be a bit later but it's still amazing because at least exactly. we've got to that point so and um, I didn't
1: really want I mean obviously I didn't want my granddaughter to sort of like grow up thinking it's the norm yeah as well because her parents don't drink hmm. and obviously she would see us drink yeah. and you know she's getting to a, the age now I say she's like 11 and a half and it's like she's like now She go, like, oh, you don't drink anymore do you so obviously she's noticed oh. and you know, I don't want her to sort of like get into that oh it's normal this yeah. is what you do and this is what you do at home you yeah. know I'd rather not sort of like see that side if you like
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> I know it just it made me think actually of um I always feel like my heart's Slightly breaks when I see children with sort of champagne flutes with in and you know that because <laughs> I I do like I I've got three daughters, and you know you have to be realistic. They might grow up and drink. You know that is exactly going to be part of their journey, probably. But it's I, I always feel like I don't want to I don't want to cement that path for them by encouraging it too much you know, or, or for me at all because I obviously don't drink now but you know encouraging it that they have their pamper day at home but they must have their pretend wine as well and I don't want to do yeah. all of that and I you know and I find that quite because I've come through the other side I suppose of sobriety and I really I see alcohol as a poison and I don't I don't like it and I I deep down would rather my kids don't drink but I won't be controlling about it obviously but when I see that sort of image I I feel a bit sad about that you know I feel sad seeing little kids wanting to be grown up and drinking it reminds me of when I was little I my mum used to smoke and I used to get a straw and pretend to smoke when I was playing mum's dad (laughs) 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 yeah this is this is child child of the 80s so (laughs) it was a different time wasn't it um so um so can you um looking back to your first 100 days can you describe? The sorts of things um, that you noticed in that time.
1: Um, well, I'm probably going back over what I've said. Um, obviously, the weight loss has been quite good. I mean, I'm one stone ten and a half pound down. So, and I've got back into oh. things that I that didn't fit. So that's kind of like elation in a way. Yeah. Um, and then obviously the anxiety as well getting up on the morning and feeling much more brighter and ready to face the day, um, I feel just to- totally different person, a totally different person. Wow. And it's amazing how, in a short period of time, how, how you feel like that and how you wouldn't believe if you didn't stop drinking that you could feel like that. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's a huge difference and you know, like I say, I just wish I'd done it a long time ago, and I could have had a lot more fun <laughs> in life. Yeah. You, know, you know, you think you're having fun with the alcohol, you're not. Yeah. You're not really. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's been it's been quite quite good, really. And I think it was the right time as well. You know, with summer and the light nights, and it's probably made it easier for them, like hundred days, rather than it being in winter and you just starting with the dark nights and y- your mood goes down anyway. So I think it was probably a good time. So even though I didn't like feeling very well, it was probably a good that it happened then and give me that kick up the bum that I needed to actually get on with it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And so what would your sort of Friday night or, you know, I know you talked about going for more walks and things on Sundays, but um, I think for people that are very, very new to sobriety, the Friday night is the, is the one that they worry about the most because obviously it's sort of the end of the week and it's usually the time as a drinker we're yeah. cracking open the bottle and pouring all those endless glasses of wine. Um, what, what do you do on Fridays or what in early sobriety, what were you doing on, on Fridays and Saturdays just to sort of, yeah, tell people how those, how your weekends have changed?
1: Well, I mean, obviously, I, like I say, I'm a creature of habit. So apart from not having alcohol, um, things haven't really changed to what I would do. I mean, I love to shop. I absolutely love shopping. <laughs> so I'm always hitting the shops every day of the week. I mean, my husband's not so keen, like, because obviously they always come home with something, <laughs> as you do. But, um, yeah, so it's like going out, going to a coffee shop. I like to go for a, for a coffee every day. Um, so we're going to have coffee Um well, won't get the cake because it put calories on, but that's obviously my choice. If people want to have cake, they can do that. But you know, have a biscuit or something. Um, and then obviously, by the time we get home, it's time to start preparing tea, so we start doing that together. And then it's just really settled down. I mean, now it's a, a cup of tea made straight away from having our tea, so it's straight into you having something to drink, but it's not the the mm-hmm. alcohol yeah um and then I would sort of like have a little treat as well on a nice we get these like little mini mini magnums but the Lidl's own and they're oh, only like about 125 them. calories yeah. <laughs> and that is like my new buzz if you like mm-hmm. on any night whether it be Friday Saturday it's like it's guessing tonight should we have one of them now you know tea's gone down you say oh yeah I love that one and that's my little treat that's my yeah my go-to now because I know it's not going to pile the weight back on but I, do, I feel like I've had something yes and then we'll have another cup of tea at that time and then it starts to get you know later in the night and you're not really bothered because she's starting to watch tv mm-hmm. you know I love friday nights because I love to watch goggle when it's on so I love goggle I'm a huge goggle box fan and I always used to associate friday nights as Need the alcohol, whatever, I need it. I can't stop giving up on a Friday because goggle box is on.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh, you know you think? Well, you know, you can just have a cup of tea. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Or water. I do drink a lot of water. Yeah. Um, so really, it's doing things like that. I mean, if, if it's nice and the weather's nice, we might go out somewhere else. But like Sundays is the day for us where it's go for a walk.
0: You
1: mm. have a park that's only about... Less than ten minutes walk from us, so we can go to the park, or we we'll just have a walk up the roads, and you know, do whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's still getting out the house, doing things after we finish the housework. But I mean, obviously, every day of the week was the same to us because with neither of us working, there wasn't like, oh, it's Friday, got to celebrate the weekend mm. because we could celebrate Monday or yeah. we could celebrate because it was Wednesday. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it was every day a celebration.
0: Yeah, how is it? changed your relationship with your husband if you don't mind me asking just because
1: I think for the better I think think we're both nicer people and even though like as I say we've been around 40 years this month um obviously when he went to work there was limited you know he was gone during the day I did my own thing and you know went out and did shopping and (laughs) more shopping and um things like that but Obviously, he's at home all the time. Will, he's gone for a walk now, so I could have my privacy. But um, he's home all the time. And it was that was a, a huge difference before, even when we were drinking, being together all the time. But like since stop stopped drinking, I can actually get up in the morning and feel like I can speak to him. And we'll have a conversation. And I think we're both nicer. We're not as short-tempered as we might be. Yeah. Because you do get short-tempered. Mm. And I think we are nicer to each other. And I'm more tolerant not just of him, but of people in general. You know, I don't feel as angry about everything all the time. I used to feel so angry about everything and everyone. And now I don't really know. I can still feel angry, but it doesn't get to me in the same way. I could have it chewing through me for for days on end, this anger, this rage. And like now it's kind of like gone. (gasps) God,
0: that's amazing, isn't it? (laughs) That's, yeah, really amazing. I have a, a a bit of a you know a similarity there because I felt quite a bit of uh tired rage when I was drinking mm. with my young kids because obviously young kids um are well exactly. they, they're, they're just young kids aren't they 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 can they can be quite tricky to handle and have up and down emotions and their own meltdowns and things like that um, and I definitely felt like when I stopped drinking uh, a lot of that frustration and short-tempered sort of like low tolerance a lot of that went away and that was a really nice feeling um yes. so yeah it is it is I, I wonder whether that I mean it must come from just just the, a lot of the tiredness as well because obviously when you drink even if you just have one drink you don't sleep properly exactly Um, don't get that rem sleep do you when you drink alcohol. so if you do that for 40 years or you know for me it was 27 years you can just see how that would really really impact yeah yeah Yeah, it's just crazy isn't it it is So what about the, what was the toughest bit for you? What was the most difficult part of getting and being sober?
1: I think it was really just having the change mindset. Um, Because obviously it's habitual. It was having to have a different mindset. It was having this internal fight with yourself, which was, you know, that you wanted to still. And it's like, why can't I be like good people? Why can't I just have a drink now and then? Why can't I be like them? And then, you, But then the other part is going, because you know you can't, because you'll want it the next day and the next day, and you'll find any excuse in the book that you can to do that. So that was why, really, it was the mindset that I had to change. I had to stop beating myself up. I had to, to sort of like think, this is how life has to be for my, for, for my own good. yeah. Because it's all—it's all you can do. You just have to like push on, and uh, and do the best you can, really.
0: Because yeah. it's all
1: in there. It's all in here. It—you know—you can't blame other people. You can't really blame outside influences. Even it's all inside you, and it's only you can change yourself. And if, if you don't want it, it ain't going to happen. But if you want it enough, it will. It will
0: happen. Oh, uh, just I get goosebumps, really, <laughs> hearing <laughs> that. No, I, you totally, perfectly hit the nail on the head there. I, I was going to ask you the question, because I think mindset, and I've mentioned it in a couple of podcasts, it is so critical to change. And Definitely. I wonder what it is that really, really switches that mindset from I can't do it or I can. And I wonder, something just came to me then when you were talking. I wonder whether it is as simple as you just accept that you can't drink anymore. It's such yes. a fundamental part, I think, of being successful, successful in early sobriety. Um, I think, and I was the same, you know, I had two stints of sobriety before this third one. Um, and it was the the day before, well, the morning that I woke up from my, you know, heavy night drinking with my girlfriends, I think I just realized I am never going to change this pattern of drinking. I have to <laughs> stop. That's it. There is yeah. no moderation for me. And I think that's what you were sort of saying. You know, I fr- felt frustrated too. Why can't I just be like so-and-so and just, you know, they always seem to have a few glasses and then get a bit fuzzy tipsy happy and then yeah. stop and go oh. to bed why have I got to open another bottle or or another <laughs> bottle and I yeah. found that really really annoying about myself <laughs> and I, but I just carried on as if I could sort of eventually get there and I think that that's so well put I think you have to accept you cannot manage your drinking and that is the sort of once you have accepted that I think a shift happens and I think yeah. that's where your mindset <laughs> grows exactly yeah. amazing I think people will find that so helpful um yeah brilliant so we're coming towards the end um what are your top three tips on getting uh, or staying sober
1: right well obviously I I never saw it when I stopped as it would be forever. Because I think if you start on that first day of like, this is forever, it's doomed to failure. I think all you can do is take it one day at a time. You just focus on that one day because that's all you've got to get through. You don't have to look to six months down the line or a year down the line where your life, because who knows what your life will be. I mean, that's true of anything. So you, you just take it one day at a time and you go to bed and think, I made it through that day and you wake up next morning and you start again and you get through the next day. And that's all you can do. Just go off and and work in them small little chunks mm. of that one day rather than the whole bigger picture. Because that, I think, can be, depending on people's personality, of course, it can be too daunting for some people. And for me, to think into the future, it's just too much. It's mind-blowing. <laughs> it's got to be in the small chunks yeah. And I think that was probably what worked. And equally as well, I would say another tip is like, you need distraction techniques mm. because it is habit. You get used to having a glass in your hands. You get used to whatever. You need to do something. It does pass. The urge does pass. You can't just, if you give into it, you, you know, and think, oh, I can't, I can't cope with this. I don't like this uneasy feeling. You will regret it. But if you go and do something else, that feeling does pass very quickly, even if you just go and get a glass of water, do something. It passes. It's like anything It's like having a panic attack or something. It feels like it never ends, but it does end because it can only sustain for a certain length of time before that feeling goes. And it's all your mind. If it goes along, it's your mind saying, I need it, I need it, I need it. And it doesn't you really need to flip the switch and go, I don't need it. You're not going to do me any good. I don't want to wake up in the morning feeling lousy again. I don't want to feel, you know anxious, I don't want to go back to having IDS all the time. You've got to to flip the switch, and as I say, it could only be from you because it's easy for someone else to say, oh, it's easy, just do that. You've got to want it. You've got to flip the switch in yourself and change your mindset. And if you don't change your mindset, as I say, that is a problem. But if you change your mindset, learn, you know, maybe take up a new hobby or, you know, something that you've wanted to do. I mean, let's face it, when you stop drinking, you've got lots more money than you ever had (laughs) use that money for something that you can actually get something nice from whether it's treat yourself to some clothes a new handbag short break somewhere you know all things that you're actually going to give you so much more in life than what's in the bottle is what i'd say
0: (laughs) yeah that's amazing what great such great tips brilliant Oh, thank you so much, Steph. I really enjoyed that. Really, really enjoyed You're listening to your story. I enjoyed it too. Yeah, it was brilliant, and I think you share a lot of wisdom. And I, I, I really think a lot of people will relate to you and will also get so much from that. So I really appreciate your time. Thank you. And please keep in touch and let me know how it all goes. At and the I end will of do. Yeah. yeah, I will do. <laughs> please do. Uh, Brilliant. So thanks everybody for listening and we'll catch up same time again next week. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you're interested in being a guest, please contact me directly on Instagram by sending a message to at sassy sober mum. You can also find helpful tools and resources on my website, sassysobermum.com. If you enjoyed the podcast and you want to spread the love, please like, share and rate the podcast. I really look forward to next time. See you then.